This morning we're going to consider walking in the Spirit. Our passage is Galatians chapter 5, verses 1 through to 26. We won't be looking at all those verses. In recent weeks we have been looking at John chapter 15, a chapter in which the Lord Jesus Christ declared himself to be the true vine. Within the true vine there are branches, some of them are dead. And what do you do with dead branches, dead wood? Well, it's only fit for one thing, to be thrown into the fire. But also, within the true vine there are living branches, which we are told bring forth much fruit. Those living branches were seen to be born-again Christians who are savingly connected to the Lord Jesus Christ and they are continuously drawing on his grace. As we progress through chapter 15 of John's Gospel, we saw that Jesus spoke about love. He had quite a lot to say about love. For example, Jesus said, As the Father have loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. That was in John chapter 15 and verse 9. And then in the next verse, in verse 10, Jesus said, If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. Jesus even gave a new commandment to love with a sacrificial love, when he said, in verses 12 and 13, This is my commandment, that ye love one another, as I have loved you. Greater love have no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. These things I command you, that ye love one another. Jesus speaking to his disciples, when he said, Greater love have no man than this that a man laid down his life for his friends. You don't need much spiritual discernment to see that Jesus placed a lot of emphasis on Christians serving one another in love, in his love. This morning I want to dig a little deeper into what is clearly a fundamental Christian doctrine, serving one another sacrificially in the love of Jesus. So we come to Galatians chapter 5 now, and I'm going to read verses 13 and 14. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbour as thyself. According to verse 13, Christians are people who have been called unto liberty. That means that they have been freed from the curse of God's broken law. Jesus has paid their debt of sin in full and he paid with his own precious blood. As it is written in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, there is therefore Now, no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. 
However, that does not mean that Christians are free to do what they want, when they want. What it does mean is that they have a new master. I'm aware these are things we've already looked at, so I'm going to reinforce certain things here. They have a new master. No longer do they serve the God of this world, the devil. Rather, they are yoked to Jesus and they serve him in newness of life. Jesus is their saviour and he is their master. For example, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20, the Apostle Paul said, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, ye which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. That's you, Christian. You have been bought with a price. You are not your own. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Can you see that you are not free to do what you want, when you want? Therefore, all you Christians, instead of fulfilling your own selfish and sinful desires, as you once did before God saved you by the riches of his grace, you are now in the service of King Jesus. And as we see in verse 13, you are to serve one another in love. Let's have a look at verse 13 again. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For an example of serving one another in love, we we need look no further than to the Lord Jesus Christ himself, who, as the Son of God, is free to do what he wants. Why? Because he's God. Even so, Jesus served others, even dying for them at the cross. As Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew chapter 20, verse 27 and 28, And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Jesus, the Son of God, came to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Where we read, by love, serve one another in verse 13, that is something that all Christians really ought to be doing with God's enabling grace. They have no reason not to. After all, all Christians are vessels for the love of God. As it is written in Romans chapter 5 and verse 5, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. It's poured out in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. Vessels of God's love. We look at verse 15 there in Galatians chapter 5 and it's written in verse 15. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. I'd like you to imagine a situation where two Christian friends met and one inquired of the other how his church was getting on. Not good. Our numbers are diminishing weekly, came the reply. How's that? Has the wolf got into the fold? 
It's worse than that. The sheep have taken to worrying each other. As such, our condition could not be worse. That is what the apostle was warning of in verse 15. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. He was warning about what happens when Christians, instead of serving one another in love, use their freedom as an occasion to the flesh. As it is written in verse 13, they serve the old sinful nature that still lurks within them. The result is that yet another law is served, the law of every man for himself. And that's the law of this world, isn't it? When Christians do nothing more than serve the flesh, that is the old sinful man, the old sinful nature, with its sinful desires, what they are doing is serving the dictates of their old self, which resemble nature, raw in tooth and claw, as the New Testament commentator William Hendrickson put it. If you read the whole of the Apostle Paul's letter to the Galatians, you will see that there were two kinds of Christians that he was addressing. There were the legalistic Christians within the church who had bound themselves once again, once again to the law as a requirement for being saved. At the beginning of the chapter, Paul had a lot to say about circumcision being of no use to them. You know, if once they start having that mentality where they have to comply with all of those aspects of the Old Testament law instead of just trusting in Jesus 100%, it becomes a religion of works. And you can't have both. You can't have faith in Jesus and in the works of the law because it's still a religion of works. It has to be Jesus and nothing else, trusting in him and his finished work, his obedience in life and in death, without adding to it. And so there were those Christians who were adding to the finished work of Jesus and seeking to reintroduce uh, the various aspects of the Old Testament law. Legalistic Jews... But also, judging by the warning that was given in verse 13, there were others who had gone the other way. And they were doing, what they were doing was using their Christian freedom to throw off all the constraints and do whatever they wanted. Not surprisingly, the result was that there was chaos and there was no unity in the church because everyone was doing what his sinful desires were telling him to do. Serving the flesh instead of serving one another in love is definitely not conducive to maintaining a strong and God-honouring church fellowship. Let's continue with this and look at verses 16 through to 18. This I say then, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfil the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, 
so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Dear Christian, the Lord Jesus Christ laid down his life when he carried your sins in his body and he took those sins away at the cross. You have been sanctified. In other words, you have been made holy by his precious blood. So much so that you are now a priest of the most high God. You are a citizen of a holy nation, the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the reality now. A priest of the most high God. I repeat myself because I want to be sure that people are hearing me and they're getting it. That they are priests of the most high God. You are, new, you are a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. All of those things ought to constrain you to serve one another in love. Having said that, you know as well as I do that even as a new creature in Christ, the lust of the flesh and those struggles with sin continue, don't they? Even as a priest of the Most High God, you have that daily struggle with sin. However, a big difference now ought to be that as a child of God, when you do the things that you should not do, you experience a bitter struggle within yourself and that is because your mind approves of the very law that tells you that uh, the things you are doing are wrong. You know it in your mind that what you're doing is wrong or that you're not doing the right things. And so you've got that struggle within you. Consequently, with heaviness of heart, you seek forgiveness Not from an unknown God, you seek forgiveness from your heavenly Father as you thank him for sending his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who fulfilled the Lord's demands in life and in death on your behalf. You praise God for Jesus as you say, what a wretched man that I am, or wretched woman, wretched boy, wretched girl. Thank God for Jesus. The conflict between the sinful flesh and the spirit will continue until when? Until the day you die. Even in your deathbed, you'll have that conflict. The flesh lusting against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. Until such time you go to be with Jesus. The Apostle Paul knew that only too well in his own life. Let me just read to you the testimony of the Apostle Paul about 20 years after he became a Christian. 20 long years. And this is what he had to say about his own struggles. I'm going to keep my finger in Galatians chapter 5 and turn back the pages to Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7, and I'll read from verse 18 to the end of the chapter. Bear in mind, this is the Apostle Paul, an apostle, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, 
a Christian for 20 odd years. And he said, for I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present within with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Perhaps you can relate to that. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin." When you read the Apostle's instruction in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16 to walk in the Spirit as the antidote to fulfilling the lust of the flesh and then you read about his own struggles with sin that just sums up the born-again Christian life, doesn't it? I trust all you Christians can relate to that. If you can't, then you're really not in touch with yourself at all. Even so, you press on and you persist, not in your own strength. Why? Because you haven't got any strength of your own. But in the strength of the Lord and with his enabling grace, as you walk in the Spirit. In other words, as a new creature in Christ, And with the enabling of the Holy Spirit, with the enabling of the indwelling Holy Spirit, you walk in the Spirit. As the Apostle Paul said to the Philippian Christians, walk, sorry, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. He didn't stop there because he then said, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure again thank God for that that we have God the Holy Spirit in us working in us to will and to do of his good pleasure otherwise we we, no chance of that ever happening let's move on verses 19 through to 21 now the works of the flesh are manifest which are these adultery fornication uncleanness lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. One of these such times where Paul has already said it is in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. The the righteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And he gives not exactly the same list, another list. 
So this list isn't exclusive, uh, in, exhaustive. There are other things. In other words, uh, when you habitually live such a life, and there's no repentance in you, and there's no sense of that wretched man that I am. And he says very clearly that you shall not inherit the kingdom of God. God is not mocked. You can't just make some kind of testimony for uh, how you were saved 20 odd years ago. A nice testimony that makes everyone cry. And, um, and then you just live your life the same as you ever did. Doesn't really say much for God, does it? And Paul is saying very clearly there that these, that such people shall not inherit the kingdom of God who walk according to the flesh. The unregenerate man, woman, boy or girl who has not been crucified with Christ and has not been raised up with him to new life does not walk in the spirit. It's not possible. It doesn't make sense. If you're not trusting in Jesus, you cannot walk in the spirit. You're dead in your trespasses and sin. Neither is he led of the Spirit. Instead, he walks in the flesh, the sinful flesh, and his works are, as we see in these verses, envyings, murders. Even if you don't commit murder by stabbing someone in, in, in the back or whatever, the murders that are committed in your heart, every time you get angry with someone, you have that explosion of anger in you, unreasonable anger with someone. They've done something to annoy you. Or whatever. All of these things. Drunkenness and so on. People who walk of the, uh, in the flesh and not of the spirit. Let's move on to something altogether much nicer now. Verse 22 and 23. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, Meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. We're not going to look at all of the fruit of the Spirit there. We shall look at some of that fruit that is brought forth as a consequence of being a new creature in Christ, walking in the Spirit. Not surprisingly, what's the first on the list there? Love. It's an agape love, or a love that is sacrificial, a love that serves brothers and sisters in Christ, as if you were serving none other than the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And it's that right at the top of that list of fruit that you bring forth. Love, agape love. It is a love that Jesus commands all his redeemed to bring forth when he says, love one another as I have loved you. Again, we see it right at the top of the list there. Also, there is joy, but not any old joy. It is an unquenchable joy that comes from belonging to Jesus. It is a joy that resulted in the Apostle Paul and his travelling companion Silas singing praises unto God, even when they were in the stocks in a Philippian jail. It is a joy that resulted in all the apostles rejoicing when they were beaten 
They were beaten. Why? Because they were proclaiming the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they rejoiced that they were beaten for Christ's sake. Counted worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus. I wonder if anyone would tremble at the very thought of someone saying something terrible about us because we raise our head above the parapet and show ourselves to be Christians. These are people who rejoiced in very real suffering for Christ's sake. Next on the list is peace because again it is not any old peace It is a peace that passes all understanding. That doesn't mean to say that it is a peace that cannot be known, a peace that cannot be experienced. If you're a Christian, then you do know the peace of God. That peace is your daily experience. It's something you live with every day, or at least you ought to as a Christian. A very real peace that comes through faith, In the Lord Jesus Christ. A peace with God. Even in the midst of the most violent storms. Christians have peace with God. Through faith in Jesus. As I say it is the reality for all true believers. Even and especially when they experience the most terrible persecution the most terrible afflictions and as we see and thank God for this it is a peace that passes all understanding even in the sense that it is not dependent upon us the peace that we have through faith in Jesus it passes understanding in the sense that it is not dependent on us or our frame of mind but it is entirely dependent on the fact that it is a a grace of God, freely given to us by God. It's not something we have to conjure up within ourselves. It's given to us by God. Jesus, he gave his peace to his disciples, and that peace reaches all of you who belong to him. It's a peace that this world knows nothing about. The peace and the joy of this world, it's on and off like a light switch, depending on what's happening at any given moment. I'm not saying that Christians don't um, suffer heartaches and sorrows and all the rest of it. Of course we do. I I would say that Christians who are actively serving Jesus probably suffer more heartache than sorrow than most than others. But it is a peace and a joy that come from God. And as such, it's always there. Jesus rejoiced in his spirit, even though he was a man of sorrows. And so too, his people rejoice in their spirit, even though they are sorrowful about various things in this, in their, in this world and in their own lives. Let's read verses 24 through to 26. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, 
envying one another. People who have no interest in the Saviour's blood continue to walk in the flesh. They walk in their sinful nature with no desire to fulfil God's royal law, which says, love your neighbour as yourself. That can be seen so clearly in a world that is filled with hatred. Am I exaggerating here? This, I'll say it again. This world is filled with hatred. Love is fickle. Love is paper thin. This is the world we live in. You need look no further than the millions of children who are put to death each year throughout this world. Put to death before they're even born. Doesn't say much for the love of this world, does it? But you, dear Christian, you have no reason not to fulfil God's laws concerning love. Thou shalt love thy neighbour as thyself, and by love serve one another. Looking again at verse 24. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. At the cross... Your substitute sin bearer, the Lord Jesus Christ, he was wounded for your transgressions, he was bruised for your iniquities, Jesus died for you. And it doesn't end there, does it? We don't just have a dead saviour. He rose from the dead, victorious over sin, Satan and death. As Jesus said in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 18, I am he that liveth, I was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen and amen. And it is because Jesus lives forevermore that all who believe in him walk in the spirit, serving one another in love, having died to sin. When Jesus died on the cross, you died with him. Jesus lives and you live in him. The Apostle Paul recognised that glorious truth when he said in chapter 2 of this letter to the Galatians, chapter 2 and verse 20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. More broadly, and I'll finish with this now, more broadly may it please God for all of you, every single person in here, not to walk in the flesh but in the spirit as you are led of the spirit and as you live in the spirit. And that will be seen in you loving your neighbour as yourself having first trusted in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. Amen.